sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. How do you take your coffee? Black. I like black coffee. I did used to love cappuccinos, um, and but I can't, I don't know, I just coffee on itself, uh, on its own, black are great, but I don't think there's anything wrong with a great cappuccino now and then, or a macchiato or something like that is really great, but nice, good old-fashioned black hot coffee is just the best. In the morning, I love to make like a Vietnamese cappuccino. Uh, we use our Robusta Arabica blend through our home espresso machine. I add um, a squeeze of sweetened condensed milk, and then I, I also add a scoop of my collagen powder, and then I steam whole milk. <laughs> Are you a coffee drinker? <sighs> no, I'm a matcha drinker, but I did just come back from Italy where I drank lots of coffee in Milan. So I think the quality of the coffee matters for me, which is my bougie response. I take my coffee hot, black, hot with oat milk or iced with oat milk. But mostly I take my coffee by the pot. I drink like, I don't know, four to six cups on any given day. And while I have certain coffee that I enjoy more than other coffee, I am mostly in for the caffeine and proud of it. Coffee is a serious part of my identity. And even though I am such a proud coffee consumer, I still have concerns and a hell of a lot of questions. When it comes to coffee and caffeine, it feels like there's a new study out every day. There are a billion articles and news segments that blast our feeds, and it feels like everyone has a different and divergent opinion. So today, to get to the bottom of it once and for all, we've decided to talk to a few people to make sense of coffee from a few different perspectives. One about how coffee affects our health. Another about why we love it so much and how addicting it actually is. Is it really just the most addictive drug out there, as they say? And then finally, if we're going to consume so much of the stuff, how can we be more conscious consumers? So maybe in a few minutes, I'll stop waxing poetic about my love for coffee, but I do feel the need to share a little bit more. I am one of those coffee drinkers that starts every day. I open my eyes and my first thought is coffee. If I don't have coffee within my first 30 waking minutes, I truly am a different person. Don't even get me started on what happens if I haven't had it in my first hour of waking up. 
But aside from just the jolt I need to become myself at the start of every day, it's really about the ritual of having a hot cup or an ice cup if it's hot out to signal the beginning of a new day. And I don't think that's just me. It's the ritual of it. It's the way you start your day. It's like, it, and, and that me, that matters. Our rituals, our routines, they matter. My name is Bridget Zeitlin. I'm a registered dietitian and women's health coach. I work one-on-one with clients and also in groups. My whole mission in life is to help women heal their relationship with food so they feel better in their bodies and reach their health goals. On the day-to-day, I drink, I drink matcha, which has some caffeine in it. And that has nothing to do with any health reasons, only the fact that when I drink coffee, I feel a little bit jittery. And when I drink matcha, I don't. It's a personal preference. I will also say I am a big dark chocolate lover, and there is caffeine in my dark chocolate. I am not opposed to caffeine. I think caffeine can sometimes get a bad rep because we tend to overconsume it, and it's it's in the over aspect of it that can cause um, certain hiccups along the way. Like if we're taking in 100 to 300 milligrams of caffeine a day, generally speaking, for your average healthy human, there's no downside to that. You know, caffeine is an antioxidant and it tends to be the highest consumed antioxidant that Americans get in their day-to-day life. So of course, I needed to know how much one 300 milligram cup of coffee a day really was. Is it a cup? Is it a pot? I hope it's two pots. Also, what happens if I pass the 300 milligram threshold? Then what? One shot of espresso is 100 milligrams. If you are getting a 16 ounce latte at Starbucks, that's two shots. So that's a 200 milligram caffeine beverage. An average cup of like American coffee is about 100 milligrams also. Caffeinated teas generally have around 50 to 70 milligrams per eight ounce cup. If you're consuming more than 300 milligrams of caffeine in a day, it can be an endocrine disruptor for you. It can throw off your hormones. Typically what it does is that it elevates your cortisol. We know cortisol as the stress hormone, right? Then there's some of it that we absolutely need. And then there's excess. The excess, you might feel that like jittery kind of vibe a little bit, um, or you might not feel anything at all. (laughs) Like Ella, you might not feel anything at all. But on the inside, when we have too much cortisol coursing through our body, it increases our inflammation. It can contribute to weight gain. It can screw with other hormones. So if fertility is on your mind, you don't want excess cortisol coursing through your, your body. It also can increase your blood pressure. So I pretty much drink coffee in two ways, a lot or a lot, a lot. No, I'm kidding. But if I am drinking at home, I pretty much wake up. My fiance and I will make a pot. We'll finish that. And then we pretty much always make a second pot. And together, to be clear, we finish both of those pots of coffee, full pots, 12 cups. So pretty caffeinated, giant quantities consumed. If I'm out and ordering coffee, that's when my order gets really insane. I order a quad Americano with about half as much water as you would normally add and fill the rest up with cold oat milk. Notice how easy that was for me to say, because I order it a lot. I want a fuck ton, pardon my French, of caffeine, 
watered down and I want to be able to drink it as quickly as possible in order to get as caffeinated as possible as quickly as possible. So that means with my first cup of coffee, I'm getting at least 400 milligrams of caffeine and I don't get jittery. That's your baseline. That's what your body's used to. You've trained your body for that. Caffeine also, it stays in our bodies for 24 hours. So it can absolutely screw with your sleep. So if you're noticing that you have a hard time falling asleep or you have a hard time staying asleep or you wake up feeling super drowsy and over and tired, even if you did have seven or eight hours of sleep, that's a sign too that caffeine is kind of staying in your system and, and stimulating you without the jitters coursing through your, your veins. So the question that worries me, and now probably a lot of you who are listening, is too much caffeine good or bad for us? How much damage am I doing with my second quad Americano? You know you. You know if you're starting to feel like Ella, you don't feel jittery at all, right? Or me, I feel jittery after one cup. If you are thinking about getting pregnant, I would cap your caffeine at 100 milligrams. If you enjoy it and you're not feeling any detrimental side effects, like you're sleeping really well, you're waking up feeling super energized and really alive, you can have 300 milligrams. Also, if you are drinking caffeine, two two main things I want you to do with it. One, caffeine, even though it's a liquid, it does not hydrate you. It's actually a diuretic. So for every one cup of coffee, or every one shot of espresso, I want you to have a full glass of water to go with it so that you're replenishing. So that's number one. Number two, because caffeine can stay in our bodies for 24 hours and sleep is crucial for all aspects of health, I don't advise any of my clients to consume caffeine after 3 p.m. So if it's four o'clock and you need something and you want some coffee, switch to decaf. Because even decaf will have a little bit of trace caffeine in it. Tea, by the way, is very hydrating because tea is flavored water. You're taking a a cup of water, hot or iced, and you're flavoring it with this tea bag or loose leaf tea. And of course, the coffee we drink is more than just black coffee. We add things. So when you're adding things like milk and sugar and other ingredients, how do we think about coffee then? It totally matters what you put in it. 100, 100%. Straight up black coffee or unsweetened iced tea, A-OK, beautiful. As soon as you're adding stuff to it, then we need to factor in the amount of sugar because that's typically what we're adding, right? Whether that is a artificial sweetener or a genuine sweetener, the way our body responds to it is the same. The cascade of our hormones and the blood sugar peaks and valleys i.e. our moodiness, it all responds the same, whether it is a zero calorie Splenda or Truvia versus an actual sugar in the raw brown sugar packet. So we want to keep that in mind. If you're, if it's a specialty drink and you're adding in a shit ton of other stuff, it's going to make your energy kind of crash and burn. If you're going to drink anything like your tea or your coffee, it should be black. If you If that's not palatable and you want to add something to it, straight up cow's dairy, whole milk. It has some natural sweetness in it. If from a taste perspective, you prefer skim milk, you can go with that. If you are using an alternative dairy product, then you want to look for unsweetened versions, unsweetened almond milk, unsweetened soy. I don't love oat, but I know everybody does. 
<laughs> don't at me about your oat milk. You do you with that. I don't love it nutritionally. It's super, super rare to find an unsweetened version. And you're also taking in much more sugar to begin with because it's made from oats, which are a grain, which is a carbohydrate, which is sugar. If you you love coffee, you love caffeine, absolutely enjoy a, a cup. And then check in with yourself throughout the day. Are you drinking enough water? Are you skipping meals? And then go for your second cup as needed. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, true story, I have dreams about coffee. Like, I really do dream about it more than probably any other food I consume. And in my dreams, coffee is the magical elixir of life. I've wished for a long time that I could find an expert who would only tell me the most positive benefits that coffee can add to my life. And lo and behold, we found one. I walk around with this mug permanently. I think my blood is coffee. <laughs> um, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. I'm a cognitive neuroscientist and communication pathologist. I study and um, the mind-brain-body connection. I practiced clinically for 25 years, and I also do clinical trials and research and now help people understand how to manage their mind and get through the daily struggles and mental health struggles of life. You can imagine how thrilled I was to meet Dr. Caroline Leaf. Everybody has heard of the caffeine controversy, but nobody is out there just extolling the benefits. Fortunately, there is a lot of research that's shown that coffee is fantastic. I've been drinking this since I was a child. I'm half Italian. You grow up with coffee and wine. But, you know, we, we drink pure black coffee, obviously, the type of coffee you drink and what you put in that counts tremendously. But it certainly is the first thing I drink in the morning. I always carry coffee around with me. I think it's an incredibly wonderful source of energy. It helps your short-term memory. It helps decrease inflammation in the brain. I mean, there's just so many benefits. People always talk about being addicted to coffee as a negative thing. And, you know, there's so much around the word addiction that we can unpack and all the rest of it, but it's got a negative con connotation. It's more that it actually facilitates good functioning in terms of, that's how I see it, it facilitates good functioning. So as we heard from our last guest, Bridget, caffeine impacts the body in a myriad of ways. But through the lens of neuroscience, the effects of caffeine are especially good for the brain. Probably one of the ones that's my favorite and I think is probably so significant is the fact that it helps to reduce inflammation in the brain. And inflammation in the brain is a response to anything toxic. 
And that is including our thought life. So, you know, what we think and how we respond and how we're managing stress and all those kind of things is physically coded into the brain or wired into the brain. When we don't manage our mind, we, the inflammation will still stay in the brain. So things like mind management is, is primary, but things like coffee and the caffeine in coffee have been shown to actually help control the hyperinflammatory response and therefore helps with our mood, boosts our mood. So of course I had to ask, is it possible to have too much of a good thing? Specifically, are we addicted to caffeine? Or do we just really love this stuff? Addiction is when we feel like we're controlled by something. That's the most simple definition. Um, generally, an addiction to something is a signal as well that our body needs something, or our brain needs something, or both need something, and or we need to deal with something that's going on in our life. I don't like to talk about coffee being addictive. I'd rather talk about coffee being something that we sense. When we drink it, we feel the difference. And so therefore, it actually stimulates good pathways and activates the reward system. And so I would rather rephrase that and say, instead of coffee being addictive, we are actually relying on the great feeling that it brings for us. So while all this is just sweet, sweet music to my ears, the reality is, if I don't have a cup of coffee by, say, I don't know, 9.15, assuming I woke up at like 8, I really do get a headache, like a very real headache that quickly. I wanted to know why. Why do I get a headache and why do we have a negative physical response when we don't have coffee? Your body has adapted and, and it needs the coffee. We, you know, we don't need alcohol. It doesn't benefit our body, but coffee actually benefits our body. You know, it's got a thousand phytonutrients in it, and it's one of the best antioxidants, and it's one of the best ways of fighting cancer, and it stimulates neuroplasticity, and it stimulates intelligence. I mean, it's phenomenal for those kind of things. So your body knows that. So the addiction's a good addiction. Your body's kind of worked out your mind-brain-body connection, how much coffee you need for you to actually function in a creative way. So you've worked out this formula without even realizing it. It's happened. So we do create a kind of coffee code in our brain-body for ideal functioning. And um, that's what we need to tune into and to get your formula going again. So in terms of how much coffee you should drink, I honestly, the answer is probably what you're expecting me to say, and that it's totally idiosyncratic. Every person's body is different. Um, so I think you know, everyone has to experiment and find what works for them. We can't fully consider whether coffee is good or bad for us without first considering how we consume it. How do we buy it? Where do we buy it? Who are we buying it from? Coffee has a really dark and complicated history, and it's still pretty complicated today. It's overcultivated. growing coffee can wreak havoc on the environment, and very rarely can we put a face to the individuals who are growing it for us. Someone who is trying to rewrite the rules of conscious consumption is Sarah Nguyen. My name is Sarah Nguyen. I'm the founder and CEO of Nguyen Coffee Supply. We are America's first specialty coffee importer and roaster based right here in Brooklyn, New York. Prior to starting Nguyen Coffee Supply, I had no experience in coffee, let alone importing and roasting in the whole DTC CPG world. I was actually working full-time as a freelance filmmaker and writer and journalist here in Brooklyn, New York. So I spent a lot of time in coffee shops around 2016. I noticed that there was like this emergence of Vietnamese iced coffee on many hipster cafes and especially coffee cafes. Um, when I would order it and I drink it and it didn't taste anything like the Vietnamese coffee I knew, I'd ask Brisa, what's in this drink? And they'd say, oh, it's our house Ethiopian or our house Brazilian, Colombian, and we add sweetened condensed milk to it. I found this to be very problematic because one, 
by doing that, you're just kind of conflating um, Vietnamese coffee as a bean in a variety with sweetened condensed milk, which is just not true. Two, you're rendering the actual producers there invisible. And then three, there are businesses and people who wanted to profit off of the culture cachet of Vietnam, um, yet Vietnamese people, producers and farmers, they were not a part of this transaction at all. I started wondering, why don't they just use real Vietnamese coffee beans? I went out on a search for single origin Vietnamese coffee beans in all the major supermarkets here in New York City, on all of the websites of big coffee roasters. In Ella, I could not find a single origin Vietnamese coffee bean. This is like 2016, so we're like deep in the world of third wave coffee, um, which really elevates the values of transparency, sustainability, single origin varieties. And I was like, why don't we have one for Vietnam? And I was like, maybe Vietnam doesn't grow coffee. But then to my total surprise, I learned through the internet that Vietnam is the world's second largest producer of coffee in the world. And I was like, holy shit, how come I didn't know that? My family's from Vietnam. I'm a Vietnamese American. I felt like, why don't more people know about this fact and about Vietnam's role in the global coffee industry? And I felt like it's because of lack of transparency. I really want to change this and I really want to bring Vietnamese coffee to America in its full culture integrity and I want to bring visibility to the industry. I went to visit my family in Vietnam and I visited my current producing partner. I went to visit a farm in Da Lot and that was really the beginning of our journey. Now for us, as someone who you know as, is really pioneering the fourth wave, we want to build upon the science of coffee and really focus on the people of coffee, right? People love to perpetuate this narrative that Vietnamese coffee is cheap or that Vietnamese coffee is only instant coffee, right? There is some truth to that. So much of the Vietnamese coffee industry is channeled into the instant coffee market. And there's a reason for that, right? That's purely due to social and systemic structures because for so long, before the explosion of cafe culture, before Starbucks, before Blue Bottle, before all of these new, amazing, beautiful cafes, the world drank instant coffee, right? And Vietnam became a big contributor to the instant coffee experience. After the Doi Moi reform, the government in Vietnam basically wanted to kind of like standardize all coffee and all coffee prices right, because it's a communist country. So during that time, there wasn't a lot of incentive or opportunity for coffee growers to elevate their farming, right, or their production. And because of that, they were pushed into the instant coffee market. Now today, a lot of that still exists, and instant coffee is a great way to enjoy coffee all around the world. And what we're trying to do is talk about how can we make it a little bit better, right? How can we make instant coffee a little bit better? And how can we leave room or create room for Vietnamese coffee producers to also enter specialty coffee if they wanted to, right? When it comes to Vietnamese coffee, people are really disconnected. They're not even aware they're, they may be drinking something that has Vietnamese coffee, whether it's your Italian espresso blend that has 15% Vietnamese Robusta in it, or your bodega coffee that's made with Vietnamese Robusta. The disconnect there is purely due to lack of transparency, right? People are not transparent about the fact that they're using Vietnamese Robusta for its unique qualities, right? It is a well-known secret in the coffee roasting world that some of the biggest brands that we all know use Robusta and specifically Vietnamese Robusta in their blends, but they will not mention it because they feel like it's taboo to acknowledge that, which I think is really, it's so sad and it's really unfair and unfortunate. Like, what about transparency? Now, imagine if we just reframe that thinking and if, imagine if we just appreciate Robusta for its, for its unique qualities. The Robusta would have so much opportunity, but more importantly, Robusta farming communities all around the world would have so much opportunity to advance their livelihoods, right, in their growing processes. So I think there are certain parts of 
the world where there is a strong connection to coffee in the communities and to me Vietnamese coffee culture is really about slowing down taking a moment for yourself and being in community with others so I have one thing to say long live coffee I am not gonna slow down my coffee consumption anytime soon but maybe I'll try to get coffee with friends more often think about how I buy it where I buy it from and um, you know maybe slow down if I get a little too jittery Probably not though. On today's show, you heard from Sarah Nguyen, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and Bridget Zeitlin. This episode was scripted in part by Suzanne Flores and produced by Taylor Camille, Helena Rosen, Abby Stone, and myself, coffee lover, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and caffeinated brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt Dynamitico. Our show art was designed by Jenny Gibson and Karina Masonette.